welcome to our January book club of your book or mine. I'm Tatum. I'm Hannah. I'm Kira. And I'm Haley. This week we are discussing Carrie by Stephen King, starting off our year with a thriller on our theme of book to movie adaptations. Woohoo! <laughs> and this is an extra special episode or just meeting for us because we're meeting virtually for the first time. Our first virtual book club. That's, That's correct. True. And why is it virtual, y'all? Because someone's boyfriend went and got COVID. And spread it around like fairy dust. Unfortunately, I have to report that my my partner and is crime. a super spreader. Is a super <laughs> spreader, a mega spreader. It's it's just mega those. spreader. And by mega spreader, I mean literally just me and then Tatum because we went on a double date last week. Me and my partner Tatum and hers to Applebee's. <laughs> Here's the and funny story. You you probably got I, it from Applebee's. Oh. <laughs> I was on my way to Nate Bargatze and I see all three of you guys at the same Applebee's at the same time. And I'm like, what is going on here? Did you see T- you invited? I was looking around this Applebee's and I was like, I have a feeling I know someone here because it was packed for an Applebee's. It was packed. And then I look around and I'm like, um, is that is that Tatum? And then, green? you know, yeah, yeah. And then I did a little, you know, little double take. And then after some texting and some investigating, Haley was also there. I was. I was. And can we just talk about how in the entire city of Portland, where we live, with all the restaurants and fun things to do, that we were all at the same freaking Applebee's? At the same time. <laughs> on a Friday night. On a Friday night. Okay. That makes us sound really lame. Yeah. Hey, I wasn't there. I was getting my jokes on. How was that, by the way? How was Nate Bargatze? It was very good. He had three openers. They were all very funny. Oh, whoa. But he was wow. the funniest, of course. It was really good. It was short, sweet. We actually really? had to park across the river. And so <laughs> I crossed the steel bridge in the dark at night. Um, no it was fun though and we actually got there faster than we would have if we hadn't done that so that kind of sounds romantic it was kind of fun running in the rain now the car is getting really close to us yeah must be nice to you know get out date night date night your date night was different (laughs) than our date night yes anybody else have any updates on their week besides getting covid and going to applebee's i finished a Court of Wings and Ruin today. God bless. God bless. And I started Frost and Starlight this afternoon. So <laughs> that's pretty big for me. How far me. are you? Oh, I'm not far. I I just, I started it right before this. And then I, you know, I have a job as well. So you have I a was, life. Yeah. <laughs> I was working. Yeah, I'm not far. Not far. But excited. That is exciting. <laughs> I'm excited for us to go through each book the months to come. I started my first audiobook ever <gasps> because on Spotify, shout out Spotify, I'm listening to I'm Glad My Mother Died because it's free. Oh, nice. I've never heard Jeanette of that McCurdy. book. Jeanette McCurdy. 
Stop. I thought I was glad my mom died. Is that what I said? <laughs> no, you said, you said I'm glad my mother died. Oh, sorry. Mother no. mom. You're just so professional with it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She does her own audiobook, right? Yeah, I've heard that it's actually good hearing it from, you know, her because she's also an actress. How far, How far are you? I think I'm on like chapter 20, so like still very fresh. There's 90 chapters, so because there's like the beginning where it's kind of like her child POV. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious how that comes off in an audiobook with it's like literally her. She she makes her voice a little higher when she's like talking about like her as a child. She's just reading it like flat out. It's not like she's I don't know. Interesting. It's like okay. Well, maybe maybe I gotta try an audiobook now that you and Hannah are both doing it. Maybe I'll try and get back into listening. Uh, I feel like I can't focus. No, the, I've I've been struggling mm-hmm. with that, and I think because it's a memoir, I see it as more like informational, like a podcast yeah, in a way. It feels more like mm-hmm. a podcast. Yeah, and I don't think I would be able to do a, like a fiction book or a romance or anything. I feel like I would strictly do memoirs or like nonfiction. Personally, I find myself rewinding quite often, and I was talking to Nathan. Hey, boo. I was talking to Nathan about it and he's like, would you count that as real reading? And then when I really thought about it, because we've talked about it, it being real reading, I thought about it and it takes me just as much energy to focus on the words and focus on creating the image in my mind and going through the story that I do count it because it takes as much brain power, if not more, honestly. Sometimes. I, I was, I was a hater for audiobooks. I will admit, I was like, you are not doing all the work. You're not flipping that page. But like Hannah said, I think it does take the same mental capacity to like still try and listen and like understand what's being said rather than just like reading it yourself. So I'm no longer a hater. Don't come for me. Do they want to do New Year's resolutions? I don't think we've talked about those with each other. I don't really do New Year's resolutions anymore. I don't want to disappoint myself. I don't want to change. I feel like Haley's the vision board (laughs) of the group. Well, I had a lot of hopes and dreams for I I don't always set a resolution, but I'm always like new year, it's time to write everything. And the month of January was genuinely a nightmare in my <laughs> life because I was basically on and off either injured or sick the whole month of January. So all of that, I'm going to get back to my routines after the holidays, all of these like hopes and dreams and plans that I have for who I will be in 2024. I'm starting, I'm starting again. January doesn't count. January lasted for like three months. So really, I feel like, I feel like it's lasted forever. It's never ending. It went fast for me. I feel like it took a while. I feel like it took a while to get here and I'm like, ugh, I feel like I wanted to do things, but I didn't. Like all my Christmas stuff is still packed in a box on my stairwell because I I need to figure out how to get it, get it into my attic. At least it's packed. Yes. At least it's gone. I have my Valentine's Day sign up on my door. So it's not February yet. That is very cute. Well, for January, we read Carrie by Stephen King and we are going to be doing spoilers so beware but for those that don't know don't care to be spoiled Carrie is a 1974 novel about a girl named Carrie White from Maine 
who's friendless, basically lives in an abusive religious household, finds out she has telekinetic powers, and then prank gone wrong at prom goes off and just wrecks the whole town, kills a bunch of people, all in good fun. That's Carrie. So yeah, what did we think? Who wants to go first with their rating, one through five? Hannah, do you have thoughts? You look <laughs> no. like you have thoughts. You told us last time that you would have thoughts. I decided I wouldn't completely explode. I don't want I I don't want this to be a negative experience for me, but it's very difficult. I rated it a three, which is pretty high considering how little I enjoyed it. But you know, you can't deny Stephen King. He's the goat. He's you think of horror, you think of Stephen King. Haley, what's that face? Haley's making a silly face right now. What are your thoughts? Stephen King is well-loved and personally extremely overrated. <laughs> and this is reading this take. book, reading this book solidified that for real for me. I can understand that. I think it's a very distinct way of writing and it's kind of like messy a little bit. So it kind of took me a, a while to get into it, especially like the breaks with the parentheses and like the thoughts in the head and then everyone can kind of hear what she's saying or thinking and all this kind of stuff. It's kind of difficult to follow at times, but going back to my rating of a three, it kind of just made me anxious for two days. So it wasn't the funnest experience I've ever had reading a book, but I will say I was ex- every time I was excited to pick it back up just because I was getting closer to the end. And that's pretty much my review. Valid. Very valid. I have I, more thoughts, but yeah, we'll share. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into more. For me, I also rate it a three out of five. Like Hannah said, that's like generous. But what really was a struggle for me was that there were no chapters. I am a girl that will that will be like, mm. I, I'm going to read three chapters tonight and then call it a night. There was no serious break for me to be like, okay, I'm going to put this down and step away and know what's happening when I come back. There was only a part one and there was a part two. But also going with Stephen King, considering this book was written in the 70s, there was a lot of problematic uh, oh, yes. words, <laughs> shall well, this we was say. His, this was his first book too, I believe. Was it really? I think so. We need to fact check that. That's well, wild. wild. It was Carrie. I just looked it up. Dang. Well. He really had fun with it. He's yeah, he really did. <laughs> That's, yeah. th- those are my thoughts for now. Yeah, well, like I, in the sorry, in no, the like, no, first no. ten pages, he calls Carrie fat in like a million different ways, and how ugly she is. Very creative descriptions, and it's just like these days. I mean, I understand like that's like the narrative and the voice that he was using for the whole book, but it was just like, whoa, you're not used to that as like a modern consumer of literature. Yeah, I will say that I gave it a three as well which I also felt was very generous for how frustrated and irked I was by this whole book. I have said that I think Stephen King is overrated and I stand by that. I think that Stephen King is a really creative story maker, but he cannot develop a character in depth to save his life, at least in Carrie. I was so annoyed by how every single character was a trope. Like every single character that you had, the golden boy, the bad boy, the rich, 
snobby mean girl the really nice girl who hangs out with the mean girls and then the ugly weirdo and none of them were developed beyond that in any way at all and I also think that it's a beautiful example of why men especially men in the 70s should not be writing from the first point of view of a woman it is so it was so depressing for me to like read and be like this man does not understand how a woman thinks feels or behaves and is trying to sell us the story from carrie's point of view and it just didn't do it for me that is my thoughts damn well i gave it a four i actually really enjoyed it but i also read this coming off of shawshank so this was not my first king which shawshank also does not have any chapters mm-hmm. really it does like dates maybe i'm trying to remember but yeah again no chapters very long just long-winded narrative but i think we also i discovered this last year especially when we read lessons in chemistry that i i like an alternate pov writing style like everyone kind of I think was like a third person narrative and I was like I actually I like when people switch it up and do something Mm -hmm. different I like the two Stephen King books I've read so far I liked Carrie and I understand like he's not developing characters it's definitely not a character driven book it's a plot driven book you know and I kind of like right away you're getting everyone's narratives all at once among each other as well as like cool little snippets from different news articles or publications so you kind of have an you you have an idea of what what's going on as you're going through it there's no question about what this book is about to lead up to how I'm coming at it is you know you're building the suspense and the journey and then I really appreciated his parenthetical ads of people's thoughts like at the end when you go through Billy and Chris hitting Carrie with the car and all like that all at once I think he does what he does well I enjoyed it I know everyone is not a thriller fan. I really did also. I like the incorporations of the news articles. Those are some of my favorite parts to read, especially the ones with like Sue Snell and then also her neighbor Estelle Horan. Like those were some of my favorite ones to read because they were so interesting and they were looking at Carrie from a more positive light rather than she's a devil. I was just going to say, I did like that the incorporation of news articles versus it seemed almost like scholarly papers with the storytelling from multiple points of view. I did think that that was an interesting choice and I did enjoy that. I know that I've I've seen some things online where people didn't like that and just thought that like those things were unnecessary, but I thought that it really built on it, especially when at the end, like when everything goes down, when you're shifting so many points of view from like points of view to the newspaper article to a different person that was at a different building, it really added to the chaos of what that situation was supposed to be and feel like and so it felt really chaotic to read and I did enjoy that yeah I I'm in the same boat I did like the news articles I thought they added a a interesting piece to the story and like Tatum said you didn't really go into the book expecting a surprise you knew what was gonna happen pretty much throughout you just didn't know the full story I will say I do love a thriller I just don't know if is tele is telekinesis magic? I don't know. What would it what would it be? Like science fiction? Well the way they presented it, it was like a genetic disorder. So I thought that was a um, cool take So like on more it. like science. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it, but if you look it up online, it says that she was like possessed. 
Honestly, yeah. she probably could have been. I think I her mother, think so. her mother definitely thought she was. I feel like that's definitely her mother's point of view of what she saw Carrie as because she definitely thought that she was of the devil and possessed. So maybe that's yeah. kind of where they're getting at with that. I know we typically ask, like, was there like favorite parts, favorite, least favorite parts, favorite characters and stuff. And I feel like that's really hard, especially when there was not, this was not people's favorite book. So is there just anything that like resonated with people, favorite parts, least favorite parts, at least anything that stood out for them? I hated the pig scene. Yeah. That that boy, that boy pissed me off. That boy, I think honestly, thinking back on the book, Billy was the scariest part of the book for me because he was like the most real person that could exist. Like he's the, he's the guy that everyone follows after. One of his ending scenes, the scene with him and Chris in the in the in attic the pub, or whatever. Yeah. I was like, I I was talking with my boyfriend Zach about it because he he's the one that recommended me choosing it when I was like trying to find a book that was within the page limit, and he's a pretty big King fan. I was like trying to talk with him about it. And I'm like, what's going on here? It's weird because it's like, yeah, Billy's language is just disgusting. But then it was like weirdly put where it was like, was Chris actually enjoying this or not? I know. I couldn't tell either because he definitely beats the crap out of her and then they have sex right after. So it was like, you into this girl? Yeah, but then you get like she was literally fighting him and there were scratch marks on his back. So I'm leaning towards no. Well, the scratch marks were from the. I know, but also. That could also mean that she was not enjoying it. It could, but then she's. <laughs> it could mean both ways. Very but, toxic relationship because she still yeah. said, "Pick me, choose me, take me to California with you." Oof. Um, obviously, they never made it. But. Oh, toxic relationship for sure. I agree. Billy was terrifying. I truly felt for Carrie. I I felt so bad for that girl. So bad. Yeah. The religious trauma, the stuff that she went through with her mom. Yeah, I th- I think honestly Carrie was probably one of my favorite characters. And I think it's interesting when you watch the movie even though it does depict this, Carrie still is the villain of the mm-hmm. whole thing and is thought to be this villainous evil person and I really did not see her in that light at all. Like I felt like this was not an evil person who wanted to do evil things. It was a broken person who snapped and did something evil, but isn't evil in and of herself. I felt I felt so sad for her. And like, I just wanted to hug her. And I really appreciated Sue's character, especially at the end and the way that she talked about Carrie and the way that she was there with her in Carrie's like final moments. I really appreciated her because I felt like she was really the only person who wasn't calling her like a monster or anything bad and Sue just I felt like saw her in the light that I did where she said Carrie was really the victim of a lot of this and pretty early on one of the literature pieces like the shadow explained book literally called Carrie a victim which really early on I appreciated like I said before this is a very plot driven book versus character driven but I think we still can come away with with a lot of reflection on characters themselves with like motivation is there really redemption for someone like Haley you're saying Carrie was your favorite character and it's like yeah she just fucked up the whole town and was just killing people left and right hundreds of people are we able to exonerate like and just the question of exoneration like are we gonna forgive 
we're, we're going to forgive Carrie? Are we going to forgive these people for being terrible to her? Like there was that one character who survived, who straight up admitted, yeah, I didn't correct her about tampons being a lipstick applicators or not. That's just Carrie. It's like, you're openly admitting that. So true. Who Remind me who, the one that took her to prom, what was his I, name? I was about to say, Tommy. I want justice for Tom Tom. That boy yes. was falling in love with her that night. I don't. I don't know if he actually was. I think he was doing this all because he was in love with Sue, and I know they definitely did play it out like he was into this. I think that he was just realizing she's not how everyone seems. Like she's a normal girl. She's not right. this weirdo. She's just a girl, and probably realizing why are people treating Carrie so horribly? Like she doesn't deserve this. And he he was rooting for her. He just he got caught in the crossfire. So as we as we go through, right, we have we have this big thing happen. That was honestly frustrating for me. I wanted Chris to find out that she basically killed Tommy. I wanted them to feel bad. They're like, oh, the town's on fire. We have to go. Oh, Carrie's standing in front of us. Oh, we died. True. Yeah. She <laughs> had no idea that most of her class passed away that night as well. It's okay. She saw them in hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We haven't we haven't super talked about another character that's pretty mommy. Yes. Well, yeah. Let's go. Let yeah. No. Let's talk about Carrie's mom. We haven't discussed Carrie's mom, which is a lot. I think I'm the only one here who did not grow up in a primarily religious household. Well, so. my house was not like that. Neither was mine <laughs> for one thousand percent. I did not get shoved into a closet and forced to read the Bible and pray for hours upon hours and piss myself and have to beg my mom to drag me out mine either (laughs) first (laughs) off (laughs) but I do feel like for those who were churchgoers as kids and into like teenagehood we all knew this lady that went to our church this (laughs) lady that was just a little too intense really really scary was like always saying they were gonna pray for you but it was really there was like a weird twinge in their eye you know we all knew thousand percent oh yes Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I don't know to like the extent, but definitely borderline. One thing I thought that was interesting is like we obviously see Carrie's mom, Mm -hmm. Margaret. She's obviously very devout in her certain beliefs and obviously is like unhappy with Carrie. And I think it's a very fun slow burn reveal, like how deep it goes with like she's known since Carrie was like little that she had these powers and there's been weird instances and that she her was it her grandma or her great aunt her grandma so it's like that revealed towards the latter half of the book I was like oh maybe that's like another reason why she's so insane is because this whole time she thinks her daughter is the antichrist and so she's been working so hard to prevent Carrie from like befalling to the devil that she's just been slowly and slowly driving herself crazier and crazier yeah but I mean is she like I I have a hard time seeing her as somebody that was trying to protect and save Carrie from this horrible thing that she could be because her mom took every opportunity she had to tell her that like you were my punishment for things I had done in my past and really made Carrie feel like she was just this burden on her mother's life and a sign of negative karma for things that she had done in the past. 
So I have a hard time thinking that she was doing anything in Carrie's best interest when she looked at her own daughter that way. Not even telling her about normal womanly things. Definitely not in the best interest. Well, her saying that her getting her period was another sign that she was the devil, the mm -hmm. devil's child. It's like, yeah, you've lost me. What's interesting is, you know, we see we see this instance with the stones when Carrie's a kid and her mom was trying to kill her as a kid. And that was what happened. So it's like, what was the long term plan? Was her mom just trying to scare her out of it from then on out with these punishments and acting some type of way? Maybe there was still like a little bit of some sort of hope of if they, you know, prayed enough, if they stood by what the Lord said, like maybe she thought she would change in some way. Like maybe there was a little glimmer of hope. That's what I was thinking. Like, I don't think that she wanted Carrie to be better for Carrie's sake. It was more for like her sake and to provide for God and like not be associated with something like that herself. I Um, think it's just, it's really sad given that it's like, I don't know if I feel like Margaret, Margaret, I don't think loved her daughter, Carrie, but no, Carrie loved her mom. Like even at the end, she's like mom and was like wishing her mom was with her and felt bad for hurting her. Even she really though her stopped her heart. literally killed her. Oh, let's just murder each other as if that's not against the Ten Commandments, Margaret. Well, I mean, that is just scratching the surface of Margaret's hypocrisy through the entire book. There were mm-hmm. so many examples of her doing very obviously unchristian things and then you know like like she had sex before marriage and it was like spelled out but then she like what did she do to her was it her sister-in-law or something that she totally shamed and like made feel horrible for doing the exact same thing but she also beat her child like that's not also that yeah <laughs> yeah one of my favorite parts of the, not like favorite part but one of my favorite parts of the book is when like the whole bikini scene where they're talking about the neighbor Estelle Horn. I mentioned her earlier and she's just talking about how beautiful this little three-year-old Carrie was and how she had the whole world ahead of her and how her and her mom were just like, Oh, that poor baby, like that poor baby. It was, it was refreshing to see, a, like I said earlier, a different point of view on Carrie's behalf and having someone actually show her compassion. And they were also kind of funny. I think that's one of the biggest things we're lacking in the book is compassion for Carrie because even like when Sue asks Tommy to take her to the prom even Tommy questions her like what's the motivation here and even Sue herself is like I don't know if this is just to absolve my guilt Mm -hmm. and not like it's not like a completely selfless act the gym teacher even was like not as compassionate towards Carrie until that prom night when she's like oh shoot maybe I should have been a little bit nicer to her earlier on that gym teacher is messed up. I don't know what slapping she these kids, right. hitting the students. Honestly, Chris deserved it. Well, you, so true. she got shoved around. No, she she's slapped like Carrie slapped though. Carrie in the beginning. Yeah. Oh that yeah, to, girl, you're slapping her because she got her period and she doesn't know what that is. Yeah, she's like, you never got your period before. Act like you've had your yeah. In def- in her defense, though, if a student got her period blood on my white shorts, jail. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. To go back to uh, to this idea of having compassion for Carrie and that Tommy was like, what is that even going to do for her? I kind of sided with him on that because I was like, well, one, what freaking girl is offering? Hey, boyfriend, take this other girl to prom. I don't care what I've done to somebody. 
That is not happening. Because if I'm Carrie, I'm just trying to think about what benefit it would do for her to have this guy that she doesn't really know take her somewhere in a way that isn't like it's not in the way that she would want. Like she had a crush on him, but it like was pretty obvious that he was with somebody else. And so he's taking her not in the same interest as her into a situation that she would be uncomfortable. And like, I would have felt the same way as Tommy is like, will she even want that? And will that even end well? And obviously it didn't, but I understood why he was hesitant. Yeah, the way that I would be livid in Carrie's shoes if I found out that the man that I had a crush on that asked me to prom was forced to go to prom with me. I do not care what the reason is. If he did not have the interest of asking me himself, I don't want it. Yeah. Then if you find out, like you're going with this guy, like this guy that I have a crush on asked me, I'm so excited because I have a crush on him, we go. And then I am there and he's like, yeah, I'm still dating this other girl. And this other girl saw you as such a low level threat in any way that she asked me to take you because you're just sad. To make her feel better. Yeah. But still bless him for taking her. I know. It still was out of (laughs) kindness. He ended up enjoying himself and like seeing her as a real person at the end of the night. They were going to go get burgers. They were going to go eat out. I know. Yeah. I thought that it was sweet that he was offering beyond his agreement with Sue. Like. Yes. He's like, I'm not just going to take you here, but you get to come hang out. So Sue, the night of the prom, realizes she's pregnant, right? Do we remember this? No, she realizes she's not pregnant. No, no, no. She realizes her period's late. At the very end of the book, I think she miscarries or her period starts. Her period was late. And then when she was out and about, like looking at all the wreckage, her period starts. Okay. So she realized she's not pregnant. Wow. Full circle that it starts with a, someone's period starting and then ends with another person's period starting. Thanks, Stephen King. Because a whole woman's life revolves around her period. <laughs> Carrie went off the rails because she was on it. That's what, <gasps> so true. The that's PMS is really PMSing. This is why women can't be president. <laughs> Anyways. I, yeah. I think one of my favorite quotes out of this was was from Sue's book that she writes post Chamberlain meltdown. Iconic. Is that uh, we were kids. We were kids trying to do our best. And I like that, you know, she doesn't really place blame on anyone. It's just really a series of unfortunate events and circumstances and people making not the best decisions but it is what it is yeah i mean how you can spin the death of 300 people into a positive light i mean it really is a story ultimately about a woman piecing herself together finding her power finding her strength and like unleashing it unabashedly you know so there is something beautiful in carrie's arc of her being this really insecure small shell of a girl to like this very powerful fiery being at the end there is something to pull from that if you're really grabbing for it and yeah I do think I do think that's also part of why I feel so badly for Carrie is because I just recognize that she 
is a child. Like she's 17. And I mean, I just think back to myself as a teenager and obviously I didn't do anything this wild, but just like the intensity of emotions and the way that you do things that that might be out of pocket, out of the like rage or frustration or fear that you have as like a as a teenager. It's why I felt like I had such like a soft spot for her is that I just I saw her as this this little person that I wanted to protect. Speaking of like protecting her, I really like this is a very small snippet of the book. It wasn't like a huge thing, but I mean, of a small book, it kind of stands out. Is the principal going on going off to Chris's dad? Like, well, if you want to sue us, we're going to counter sue on Carrie's behalf. So get fucked. That was know? pretty baller. That was yeah. pretty baller. That was the hero of the story, that random principal. <laughs> <laughs> so something Stephen King is a bit known for is a a not great ending he's known for not really being able to end a book well with some bad endings how did people feel about this ending and for a refresher it was just kind of the setting up a scene for the little girl who has telekinetic powers it was like a letter from one the one family member to the other family member about it the whole ending in general was i think we already knew the story but it was still pretty predictable that that's how it was gonna end and so it wasn't like super shocking to me that everyone dies and she kills everyone and then she dies too but I thought that was a really cool little fake cliffhanger at the end there like oh it's continuing and it's gonna be a repeat of history it was fun I thought it was very interesting that they kept it going for sure like just knowing that oh there's another little girl that's that has this power now like hopefully it works out for her (laughs) <laughs> not how it worked yeah. out for Carrie it was very like, classic government is like the white commission's like eh one-time deal we don't need to worry about it and it's like JK you probably shouldn't ignore this yeah I liked the ending to be honest I thought that it wraps things up pretty well I, li- I like that they introduced that that history has the possibility of repeating ourselves what did we learn from the first time we did this and how is it going to be different time will tell and I feel like we touched on this briefly briefly in our intro episode when we brought up that we were doing Carrie. So I've seen both the old and the new Carries. Hannah, you've seen neither? Yes. I've seen the original one. I've only seen the newer one. I had no idea that John Travolta played Billy in the old one. That's what I was going to bring up is because I'm like, I haven't seen either one of those movies in forever. I was kind of wanting to rewatch them beforehand. But then it just, I was watching other movies with Zach. Yeah. So John Travolta's in the old one. Does he play Billy? Yes. Which is crazy. Crazy. That is crazy. I could not imagine that personally. Yeah. I feel like his rendition of Billy would give me the ick. Yeah. Me too. Does John Travolta not in general give you the ick? Fair. That's how I met. I met Danny Zuko as Billy. So they went with like a big name for Billy, but like Alex Russell played Billy in the chloe grace moretz carrie and i'm sifting through his imdb and i don't i don't know this man but the fact that ansel elgort played (gasps) tommy ross that i when i saw that i was like i forgot that he was in that movie that's why that is wild that's because he was weird he was having a moment and he was having a moment stars is is it when did it come on like 2014 2013 yeah 2013 okay yeah threw that all away didn't he (laughs) 
also considering Julianne Moore is like an Oscar winner, I found this that the fact that she did this movie a very interesting career move. Did she play the mom? Yeah, she plays the mom in it. And as someone who had seen both movies, I feel like the movies are dramatic in different ways than the book is. Like, I don't, maybe this is just, it's been a while since I'd seen either one of them. I don't feel like the town completely being destroyed stood out to me as an adolescent watching these movies. And I feel like they upticked the, like, relationship between the mom and the daughter being terrible. And... I feel like made a more gruesome end for Billy and Chris, which I appreciated in the movie versus the book. In the book, I was like, ugh, that's it? He was just impaled and instantly gone? I wanted more damage. I also totally forgot that the entire city pretty much goes up in flames because I don't remember that from the movie. Maybe the scene costs too much to produce. (laughs) So true. Special (laughs) effects weren't great back then. I just, I also remember from the 2013 movie at the end, I'm pretty sure Harry saves Sue Snell's life at the end and ends up dying in it. That's like the change that they made is that she's in like a burning house or Carrie throws Sue out of this house before she dies or before this house ultimately collapses and kills her in it. And I think that that was more so to give Carrie like a redemption and to kind of explain why Sue cared about her at all at the end. But I didn't really, I feel like I appreciated the book ending better. How it was just Sue cared about her because Sue was a person and cared about another person. Like it wasn't because she did anything else for her. Carrie didn't do anything for Sue at all. Actually, like. Got her boyfriend he, killed. Yeah, it's like one, one could be, I mean, that that part wasn't Carrie's fault. But yeah, I felt like I appreciated it more in the book that sue cared about her just for the fact that she was a human that she cared about and felt for as opposed to the movie where it wasn't because carrie saves her life but like that adds a very big element to why sue cared about her at all at the end is there still zero interest in seeing the movies either one hannah i mean maybe but i don't like i don't consume that type of media (laughs) Hannah and I are horror movie haters. Yeah, I'm anti-horror. Versus Tatum and Kira, who enjoy them. You guys choose that, and I respect it from a distance. Mm-hmm. I will never force you to watch a scary movie. Thank you. We, as a book club, love a quiz. I especially love a personality quiz. So this month, we have a How Would You Die in a Horror Novel quiz. And we will we will link the quiz we took in the show notes so you can take it too and see if you match with any of us. There's not a lot of variety. Kira and I both got the same thing. Kira, would you like to read our little how how would we die in a horror novel? Sure. So our our results were you would die of some vague illness only to return and haunt your beloved. This was happening a lot in the 19th century gothic horror novels and Wuthering Heights. Shout out Wuthering Heights. We did read that last year. Catherine died due to childbirth, shock, and being nervous. Her memory then haunted Heathcliff for the rest of his days in multiple Edgar Allan Poe short stories. What does that say? I was going to say good luck. Legia, Bernice, and Morella, for instance. All women died of nonspecific diseases, then were reincarnated or haunted 
their husbands as jealous ghosts. You might want to start working on your ghostly whale. I'm surprised Sparknotes did not do a Moaning Myrtle shout out in there. Kind of a tragic <laughs> result. Yeah. <laughs> Haley and I both got the, you'd turn into a vampire and then take a wooden stake through the heart. You'd go out of the way of Lucy West Westinra. I've never read Dracula. Which is to say, beheaded with a mouthful of garlic. Also like Lucy, you'll have way too many suitors. That's pretty cool. You'll then waste away mysteriously, only to come back as a vampire and be hunted by those very same suitors, plus some other guy. But at least you'll get to eat some people before you take a stake to the heart. What's the point of being a vampire if you don't at least get to eat a person or two? <laughs> Again, spark notes, missing the obvious reference of Twilight. I know. And the fact that mm-hmm. they had to detail that an ex would come and stake me in the heart. Right. What must happen in Dracula? I don't know. Heartbreakers over there. Yeah, and then us, Tatum, we just haunt our beloveds, <laughs> our true loves. It's like one of those questions where it's like, if I died, would you get remarried? <laughs> oh, you mean the questions I hit AJ with every day? Oh, no. <laughs> if I was a worm, would you still love me? If I got into an accident and my face was completely changed after reconstructive surgery, would you still think I'm pretty? I asked him that yesterday because we were watching the Star Wars movies. We're on a Star Wars marathon right now. And we were noticing how Mark Hamill's face looked so different because he had gotten in a car accident between episode five and episode six. And we were noticing that. And I was like, if that happened to me and my face was totally different. If I ended up being your sister, uh, would you still love me? I was literally about to say Zac Efron. Zac Efron literally had something like that happen as well. And that's why people are hating on him. And it's like, no, I know that that story's sad. He wasn't even in an axe, like a car accident. Didn't he just like fall on his face? Yeah, I think he was like doing something at his home. And it's like, here's the thing. I love Zac Efron. I think he is. I, I love him. I think he's amazing. Like his down to earth series on Netflix. And it's like the fact that he he did that. So it's not like Iron Claw was the first thing he did. So I hate that people are still having to talk about his jaw and how he looks different. Cause like he came out with a whole thing. He's he's he did a slow burn come back to Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But it's like he was really like out there trying to learn new things. He tries to be a good person and all of Leo DiCaprio a little bit with Leo DiCaprio's whole saving the earth vibe. I know nothing about that. What? Oh, wait. I think I kind of know what you're Are talking about. Are we unaware about. that Leonardo DiCaprio is like a giant He's proponent a very... for climate yeah. change? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he has a whole sweet. documentary. Okay. Sorry. I'm not a documentary bitch. <laughs> he's got to make sure people can still have kids so that when his girlfriend gets too old, <laughs> he, he can, can have another can move to the next one. <laughs> yeah. There you go. He needs never ending 21 year olds. I forgot about probably. The most exciting thing now is our announcement for what we're going to read for February. Oh my gosh. It is my turn to choose for book club of what we're going to read in February is fantasy. This book is action. This book is romance. And the book is Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Ooh. My gosh. Is this a movie? It's a movie, Miss Ma'am, and it's a really Anna, good movie. Haley. It came out in 2007. That's the thing. Not Haley asking if it's a movie. Girl, no, because I've, I've never seen. heard of I've never heard of this movie. That's why I'm like, are you yeah. sure that's a movie? Isn't it like Nicole yeah. Kidman? 
No, it's Michelle no, it's Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer, Robert De Niro's in it. There's a there's a, a good list of people. Do you guys want me to read a little snippet of what it's about? Yeah. Okay. One of Neil Gaiman's most beautiful and enchanting tales, Stardust, is the story of Tristan Thorne, a young man who promises the woman he loves that he will bring her back a fallen star. But there are others who seek the star for their own reasons. And then there's the star herself. <laughs> wow. Okay, yay. I'm excited. So yeah, join us March 5th to discuss Kira's February pick of Stardust by Neil Gaiman. In the meantime, we'll have episodes before March 5th every week, every Tuesday. Next week, we are going to be discussing the very, very popular, very, very sexy Akatar <laughs> by Sarah J. Mass. I am very excited to talk about this with you ladies. Be prepared. Bring your thinking hats on. And also, I'm so excited. we're only talking about the first book, so any other feelings we have must be excluded from the narrative well and we'll have another future episode probably yeah we'll definitely continue this series oh, yeah. as it goes on for sure much more to be discussed anyway <laughs> so stay tuned for that next week thank you all for joining us as we met for our first book of the year carrie for january and i'm excited to read our next book and while you're waiting and reading Catch us on Instagram at Your Book or Mine Podcast. All one word. We'll be posting updates and information about future episodes. And we are both on Spotify and Apple. And see you next Tuesday. See you, see you next, next Tuesday. Tuesday.